Welcome to the Joyfully Raising Grands podcast. I'm your host, Laura Lee, and we are so glad you joined us today. The Joyfully Raising Grands and the Joyful Brands are all about helping others find joy, regardless of the circumstance. We have a special heart for those grandparents raising grandchildren with a focus on community, resource, joy, and love. We hope to shine a light on the positive actions we can take every day to become our best selves, serve our grandchildren well, and find joy every day. Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to share the joy-filled growth, which is so exciting for us. Our flagship product, the Joy-Filled Subscription Box, is open and accepting new subscribers. If you are a busy woman looking for a joyful experience, we would love to serve you in this way. This monthly subscription box is created and curated for busy women with so much love and joy. Our goal with this box is simple, to give you a joy-filled experience. We know that you're busy, often taking care of others and likely not spending time on yourself. Contents of the box are a surprise each month and themed. Products vary and they include attire, self-care, motivational items chosen specifically for you with love and joy. If this sounds like something you'd love, hop over to myjoyfilled.com to subscribe. We have recently released our t-shirt and earring clubs and new product collections of Celebrate Autumn, Halloween, and the Christmas Collection. A one-time Thanksgiving host box is coming soon. Each product, product line, and collection is so prayed over, wanting to provide you with peace, with contentment, and with joy. You'll want to ensure you're on our email list for notifications of new products, new collections, and coupon codes that are available only to our email list subscribers. The link to our email list is in the show notes today. You can choose to have any item shipped directly to you for gifting or shipped direct to that special woman in your life. On today's episode, we welcome Reese Neff. Reese was born in Detroit, Michigan. She was raised in Eastern North Carolina and has lived the past 20 years in York, Pennsylvania with her husband and soulmate, Brent. She has four children, an amazing granddaughter, and Reese says that being a Nana is the best job in the world. Reese is a self-proclaimed cheerleader of people. She feels most alive when she's able to inspire others not to allow their pasts to define them and to embrace their true, authentic selves. Her passion is motivational speaking, and in the meantime, she's doing her part by making the world a greener place as she is the founder and CEO of Electronics Recycling Company, and she believes that success is defined by leaving a person or place better for having been there. Reese strives every day to accomplish this. She enjoys line dancing, corny jokes, and loves spending time with her family. I am thrilled to have Reese on the show today. Reese, I am so thrilled to have you on the podcast today. I just want to officially welcome you and just, I am so excited to share your energy with our listeners. Why don't, I've already introduced you, so why don't we take um, just a minute to talk about why you're here today. And you know that this podcast really is all about helping, in particular women, um, most of which who are raising grandchildren, find ways to be better people, to feel better, to be better, and just to 
contribute to the world in a way that is most meaningful to them. And one of the reasons after hearing your story that I wanted to have you here is so that you could share that with our listeners. So I'm just very appreciative that you're here. And let me give you just a minute to introduce yourself. Oh, well, thank you, Laura. I'm so excited to be here. It's my pleasure, truly. So uh, I'm Reese Neff. And as you can probably tell, I'm from originally from North Carolina, and uh, but I live in Pennsylvania. I have four amazing stepchildren, and I'm married to one of the best humans that I know. And I'm an author, and I also own my own recycling business here in York. I recycle electronics. And interestingly that you said that, this is the first time that I've had a podcast interview that I've actually done in person. Almost always, we are virtual. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm the lucky one. I love you it. You are. So we, we're sitting on my back deck and the sun is shining and it's, it's actually, perfect. It's a really nice day out today. So this is a little different for me too, but I'm loving it. So I'm super glad that you're here. Well, I want to jump into it really. I just would love for you to share some of your story. And I feel like I feel like I was just along for the ride because I've read your book. And so I am already aware of much of your story, but I would love for you to share that with people because you have lived a, a, just a really beautifully interesting life. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I start, you know, start back with the why, why did I, why did I write this book? I have been, you know, wanting to write this book years and years and years of wanting to do that. And I, and I finally was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I felt like I had an interesting story and I had been through a lot in, in my lifetime. And, and the biggest thing for me was I really wanted to, well, let me back up. I define success as um, leaving a person or place better for having been there. So at the end of the day, with my message and the book and all that, that's really what I wanted to happen is to leave a person or place better for having been there. And so that's part of the motivation. Mm-hmm. There was also some therapy and writing about these things that had happened to me and quite frankly, and maybe boastfully a bit of, of overcoming a lot of adversity. However, not allowing that adversity to tell me who I was going to be or what I could or could not do. That was a big, huge thing. And I wanted to share that with the world because I'm a believer in that, that you don't have to be what perhaps the world has told you to be. Because the world told me that I was very poor, uh, you know, small town gal from Chocowinity, North Carolina, who was uh, wild and, and, and was never really going to, to do very much with their life. And here I am. And I had been a vice president for the fourth largest bank in the nation. I have written a book and now I have my own recycling company. Um, I'm not formally educated. And like I said, I could have, I could have been all the things that I was told growing up. And instead I chose to not do that. Well, I am incredibly blessed to be um, to to befriend the results of all that work. So it is um, it's an honor to to be called a friend. Let's dig into a couple of those stories. Maybe some of the ones that you've written about. Are there some experiences that you've had that you want to share with our listeners today? Well, I think that uh, yeah, there's always yes. I want to definitely share some experiences in my lifetime. So again, as as I said, you know, I grew up in this very small town where um, you know uh, in the '80s. 
And so the first kind of labels that started to happen is that I was not skinny enough. So there's been a, you know, battle of that, which wasn't true, by the way. You know, the, the old saying is, I wish I was as skinny as I was the first time I thought I was fat. Um, <laughs> I wish that a lot right now. Um, <laughs> so there's that, you know. And then, you know, escaping my childhood uh, because we were very poor. I went through bouts of my mother um, and alcoholism and me being the adult and growing up faster than I needed to and so I wanted to escape that town mm -hmm. and so of course what do you do when you want to escape a town you meet a marine and you move to Pennsylvania <laughs> which is <laughs> which is what I did but meanwhile that marine is not letting you eat dessert or hold your hand in public even at one point I, I asked him you know why are you even married to me and he said uh because you're as good as I could get and so um, that was that was pretty tough. You know, I was 19. I moved 400 miles away from anyone that I knew, into a very conservative area uh, in Pennsylvania where I didn't feel very accepted. And people kept asking me about the war. I didn't know what they were talking about, but apparently they were talking about the Civil War, which I was not holding on to at all. Bizarre things, you know, like that would happen to me. As a gal from the South, I was also thought of as you know maybe not so smart. That was another label, you know, mm -hmm. that I was that I was wearing. So it was challenging, and that marriage quickly started to deteriorate, and it was it was very hard hit. I remember um, I called my mom, and I said, I don't want to go home today. And you know, my poor mom. Now that I know what it's like to be a mom, you know, she's she's down there in North Carolina with no means either from a financial perspective to come get me didn't know what to do and, and or how to help me and um, it, it was a very very tough time I was would forget to eat for days and and just so stressed out and so distraught you know my my whole knight in shining armor thing had not worked out moving to mm -hmm. Pennsylvania and so um, I tell a story in, in, in the book about being in the world of numb I called it um, because it felt very comfortable in that world um, where you just didn't feel anything you just you know, kind of got through your day somehow. Although I know now that God was helping me get through that day, really. Yeah. Um, but it was tough. It was tough. Do you, you've talked about a couple of stories and what, what are some things that you might suggest others can use? Do you have like some practical ideas or things that folks could use to help overcome some of the labels that you've talked about? Well, there has to be a desire uh, to, to do it because first, I would say desire is very important because you can't have this moment in time where you could say, this is, this is, this is my lot in life. Um, so for me, there was that moment where I, like, I knew I was very unhappy. I had thoughts of suicide. Uh, that's how sad and depressed I was. And so I had that moment where I could have done that or I could have said, you know, okay, I've got to find a different way. And that way can be various things for people, from traditional therapy to maybe not traditional therapy through God, through start to look, first of all, you know. And the thought process for me had, had to be this, too, is that, and I say this in my, spe in my speeches that I do, um, that you may not be everyone's cup of tea, and that is okay, because some people don't like tea, and maybe they want a tall glass of wine, which is probably much more me, um, or a shot of whiskey or whatever it is. You, you know, you don't have to be everyone's cup of tea, but whatever you mm -hmm. are, you need to be that first. Mm -hmm. 
because that's where all the happiness is when you're your true authentic self start there mm -hmm. and then start looking because everybody's answer is not necessarily the same but begin with that and realizing that you know what I don't have to be what so-and-so told me I was going to be you don't absolutely do not mm -hmm. have to be that you can choose your path yeah give us another label story a label story. oh <laughs> I have so many label stories <laughs> Uh, how about if I tell you this story because I think this is an amazing story. As part of writing my book, um, I reached out to several of my um, people that knew me in high school to determine, because we wondered this, right, growing up, what, what do people think of us really? What do they really think mm -hmm. of us? And so this was a great experiment. So I reached out to, you know, some boyfriends, and I got the traditional, you were wonderful, I mean, not to sound conceited, but the normal stuff that you would expect from boyfriends. But then I did this really neat thing where I wrote, uh, I, I wrote to a gal that I, I was a cheerleader, and still am, not, not mm -hmm. really, but cheerleader of people I was a cheerleader and so I cheered with this gal and I would I tried to get it where they felt comfortable in giving me the feedback like I would give them examples of like you know you know if you thought I was wild um, if you thought I was you know whatever it was just you know tell me what your thoughts were and so uh, this gal the cheerleader gal you know she said you know if anything you were you were wild at heart and that was the most amazing thing to hear, that she thought mm -hmm. of me that way and that I was kind and I was always helping others. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> great. But the surprise came when I went to this other gal who, let's just say, was not necessarily in the popular crowd, for lack of a better term. And, and I wrote to her and I said, you know, tell me, what you th tell me what you thought. And what was amazing with her, you know, here I was, again, mother's alcoholic. I'm having to buy my own clothes do all kinds of things that apparently I did a pretty good job of hiding because this gal said to me, oh, Reese, I just thought you lived such a glamorous life. And it was, I was shocked. And she said, you, you know, there was a dance in high school that you got to take a boy to, and I, and I had to go with a friend. And, and then she talked about these really cool purple Jordache jeans that I had, which she didn't know that I had worked very hard to pay for. And so uh, I think the lesson in those labels are that people don't always think what we think that they think. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those labels are self-inflicted. So you have to be wary, you know, be wary of that also. Are you, are you putting stuff on yourself because maybe you've done some bad stuff in your life? We've all done some bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a valuable piece to take away as well, that... It's not always it's not always the other people that are telling you that you're A, B, or C. Maybe that self-talk needs to change as well. Yeah. I love that thought, and I find it to be absolutely true in my own life as well. I had worked in that. When I moved to, to uh, here in Pennsylvania, I had worked in the car business. And um, uh, there were some labels that were happening that were just... Uh, Un unbelievable! I just couldn't, you know, believe. I, I was told that again that I was I, I was a finance manager in the car business, and I was told that people would think I was too dumb to be doing anything to them. Quote, and so uh, they'll buy stuff from you. Uh, I was uh, the sales manager. Literally bounced me on his knee, you know, and and I had to, you know, yell and let me go, let me go, and and uh, the whole just, you know, you're not 
you're you know it's all about your how you look and 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 not your intelligence and so there is a lot to, to overcome in that because you can start to buy into that which you know during those times when I was searching to be better that piece of it could lead into a lot of bad behavior that mm-hmm. I'm not very proud of mm-hmm. um, because it, once again people were telling me that I was a B or C mm-hmm. versus uh, you know a, a, a smart intelligent woman of strength and you are a smart intelligent woman and do you want to talk at all about the behaviors and and what trends you saw and how those labels really impacted you well you know until i made up my mind to to be different and start that search of of being my true authentic self mm-hmm. i behaved in, in in doing things that i wasn't very proud of and you know Going out to to bars, doing bar hopping. Um, you know, I, I cheated on my husband. I, you know, looking for validation from other people, trying to be all the things that they said that I was, either mm-hmm. from the time I was here or from a child of, uh, you know, being being that way. And then as I begin that search, though, to figure out who I really was, because there's labels that some of us perceive as negative, and they're really not. They are who we are. Like, I, I, example that I give is, is prissy. Okay? I am prissy. Um, mm-hmm. My husband knows it. My friends know it. I'm pretty sure that if I were on Survivor, I would be the first one kicked off. Or maybe <laughs> I would charm my way into staying for one more time. I had to learn to embrace that and say, you know what? I am prissy, and I like that about me, and it's okay. Um, that was part of my journey as well, discovering those things that maybe people said, this is bad and it's not bad it's a good thing because it's who I truly am you know I worked at a a law office um, for a little bit I thought that I wanted to be a paralegal which by the way no that is not (laughs) what I want to be and good that we have people who want to do that and good for them but not in my personality all that detail just about kills me Mm -hmm. and my first I was I was the receptionist and my first review came with this very stoic uh, attorney who literally told me that I was too bubbly And now I look at that and go, I don't think there is anything as <laughs> such as too bubbly. I am bubbly. So let me own that, you know. Own being prissy, being bubbly, being a cheerleader. You know, there's negative things that could potentially go with that word. And it's like, no, nope, I'm, I'm a great cheerleader of people. And I love, you know, cheering people on and making them feel like, yes, you can do this. It's one of my favorite things to do mm-hmm. um, because I did it. You know, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. It reminds me of a book that I read as a child, or perhaps I read it when I was teaching kids. And I want to say that the, I can't remember the title, but the the main character was Punicello, I think. Do you remember this at all? I don't. So the premise is, I'm going to have to look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. But the premise of the story is that there's a town of wooden people and all over town, what were they called? They had a name. The people had a name. And all over town, they went around all day long putting stickers on each other. And there were good stickers and there were not so good stickers. And so all around the town, all day long, somebody smiled, you got a sticker. Someone was kind, you got a sticker. Someone did a, you know, a service to another, you got a sticker. And if you did something bad, you got, I think they were red, you got a red sticker. And if you, you know, didn't perform as expected, you got a red sticker. And there was one girl in the town who didn't get 
the stickers. They just, it wasn't for lack of trying because people were putting the stickers on her all day long and the stickers just didn't stick. And the difference is after Punicello experienced this and saw this, he had to find out the difference is that she knew her maker and she knew where to find the joy. And so the story ends, really beautiful story, is that they end up in the maker's wood shop where Prunicello learns the story of how not to get stickers stuck. And really, it's just all about connecting to the maker instead of giving people credit for their opinions of you. And I just thought that would kind of in line with your labels. I, that story just came to me. It's a really good book, and I'm totally going to put it. I'm going to have to look it up now. I think I have one on my bookshelf, <laughs> so I'm going to have to go find it. But it's a really great story. And I love the philosophy behind that, that other people's opinions are not necessarily all that important. No. And we, and we give up, sometimes we give people that power over us. Mm-hmm. And then we forget. You can, you can, it doesn't take sometimes, in, in a weakened moment, even for me, as, as long as I've practiced stripping off the labels, you get in a weakened moment where someone has said something or made you feel a certain way, and mm-hmm. then for a little bit, you you own that sticker or label, mm-hmm. and you have to remind yourself, and because you, you'll start to feel terrible, because it goes back to my maker mm-hmm. who made me perfect, mm-hmm. the perfect whatever I am, mm-hmm. and yeah, that, that's that's important stuff to do. Yeah, I um I wanted to just not skip over. You had mentioned earlier a little bit about your other people's perspectives of you. So we talked a little bit about that, but it was one of the latter chapters in your book. And I believe it was pretty impactful as I was reading it. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? We, we had talked about the folks you reached out to, mm-hmm. and I just thought it was such a good chapter. I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about that. Sure. I, again, you know, it was such a great exercise around the perspective of what, uh, again, back to what others think of you you know we Mm -hmm. go through this life and we may have a we often have a preconceived notion of like laura thinks i'm x and and laura doesn't think that at all um and so when i did that perceptions exercise um it was impactful for me as well with the gal so i think I, i share with you that you know i reached out to some boyfriends and they gave the standard type answers that you would expect from a boyfriend and that nothing negative or nothing really overwhelmingly surprising. However, when I reached out to two of the gals, the one being one that I cheered with and who was popular herself, she had been homecoming queen, all of that. And when I reached out to them, I wanted to give them the space and the freedom that I could take whatever feedback they gave me, you know, and I would give them my own examples mm-hmm. of what I thought they may have thought of me. Hey, hey, was I wild? Um, and, you know, or, or this or that, that wasn't necessarily a positive spin. And so the, the gal that I cheered with, popular gal, came back with a beautiful thing around how if I was wild at all, it was wild at heart, and that I was always looking to take care of people. And again, not at all what I thought that she would say to me. It was beautiful. More impactful to me was when I had reached out to this other gal who, mm-hmm. again, lack of a better term, was in the same B crowd, and said to her, you know, tell me what you thought of me. And her words were, I, I, I thought you lived a glamorous life. And it was so shocking because if they knew the stress that I was under as a teenager of, like, the financial problems that we had, so I moved, I think, 
13 times from the time I was, uh, until I was 17, 13 different times. And that was not because we wanted to move. It was because we were being evicted. Mm -hmm. My mother suffered alcoholism, you know, alcohol abuse many times during my teenage life. I had to pay for, I wanted anything extra and extra meant like things like uh, your portraits for your senior year. I had to pay for those things. And so this gal saying, I thought you lived a glamorous life because I had gone to a dance with a boy and she gave me that example and she had to go with friends and because I had these super cool purple Jordache jeans, which I really wish I still had today. Um, <laughs> but it was such an impactful thing to, to me to go, wow. I, you know, and it also tells me I was trying so hard to hide what was happening at home. I, I carried a lot of shame is really what mm -hmm. that told me is that, that and yeah. man, did I put a face on. For her to think I was living this glamorous life. And it also, in, re, in, in reconnecting with her, made me think, you know, it's also a shame because I think I could have been really good friends with her because she was going through things like that at home too. Mm -hmm. So again, why are we out there labeling people all the time, judging them, which is not our job to do? Yes. So, yeah. It's a great story and a really great perspective. So I would like to share with folks a few things that you have done. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your book? Yes. So um, I, again, my, the, the name of my book is Stripping Off the Labels. And you can find that on Amazon. You can Google my name, Reese Neff. And uh, you, can find it, if you, fo you can follow me as an author. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. And if you would like a personalized signed book, if you reach out to me via uh, Facebook, um, I'll be more than happy to send you uh, a personalized um, copy uh, where I sign it for you. And, and we will put the links in the show notes so everybody will have those links, how to, perfect. how to reach you, how to buy the book. Perfect. Also, I'm available for speaking engagements. I love the opportunity uh, to come and speak. I've, I've done some and I love it because my goal is, is if I can change one person to say I don't have to be what I've been told, and I can be who I want to be, if I can do that, that really is ultimately ultimately my goal. I wrote this book to do that, to say, can I, can I positively impact somebody's life? Can I let them know that, yes, you do not, you can be who you want to be. You can be your true, authentic self because that's the happiest place ever. That's beautiful. What words of wisdom would you like to leave with our listeners? If there was one thing today that you hope they have heard from you, what would you like that to be? I would say, I go back, I believe I said this earlier, is understanding that you're not always going to be everyone's cup of tea, and, it doesn't, and that doesn't matter. I use the line that if you're an oak tree, be the best oak tree. <laughs> you know, search out, find who you are, and be that, because that is where the magic happens. All your gifts happen. That that's it. It's not being those other things. That that brings you sadness and, and, and you're uncomfortable. You know, become comfortable mm -hmm. in your skin. So, figure out who you are and don't let the world tell you who that is. Yep. And most importantly, I think based on what you said, is that you cannot possibly be the best you if you don't know who that is. So it's really important to dig deep. Absolutely. And, and whatever route you need to do that, you know, and that can be various routes. That can be therapy. That for me, there was therapy and there was a spiritual journey that I had to go on to find God to help me with that. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it by myself. But it starts with recognizing that 
you don't have to be those things. Yeah, that's amazing. Reese, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you and your time. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, everyone. I would like to close today with just a segment uh, from one of the last chapters in Reese's book. And I think that it is just really good advice. So Reese says, so is perspective reality? While there were some labels and misunderstandings, I was grateful for the truth, kindness, and positive impressions each of these people shared with me. And here's the kicker. How many opportunities did I miss to make a positive impression on someone? Many? Good food for thought, guys. We will see you next time.